Hi everyone, I'm Stephanie, a mom to a Mito fighter. On our podcast, Energy in Action, we talk all things Mito, and I'm glad you're here to learn and to be part of our community. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Energy in Action. I'm your host, Stephanie, and it's my pleasure to be hosting the podcast today. Today, we are being joined by Moral. She is from the Love Every Toy Company. She is a licensed physical therapist, as well as the disability support specialist for Love Every Toy Company. Love Every is a company that helps families, educators, and therapists find the right toy, the right tool at the right time to help develop confidence through play. Now, before we get started, I just like to do a little bit of housekeeping and just remind everybody that we know that there's a lot of information that gets shared on our podcast, and today is no exception. But don't worry, we'll have all of the links that we talked about in our show notes so you can go out and find more information about Love Every and all of the great opportunities they have for our families at their Disability Support Specialist link. So let's get to it. Welcome, Moral. I'm going to let you just jump in and uh, introduce yourself and tell us all uh, a little bit more about you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and I've already enjoyed our discussion before this. I am Moral. I'm a physical therapist, and I specialize in children, and specifically children zero to three in early intervention. And I'm Love Every's Disability Support Specialist. So we launched our program June 14th, so very recently. And prior to this program, Love Every has only been a subscription service. We're a Montessori toy company, really, really focused on child development. And our play kits have been matched to be age-specific. So you would receive a play kit every two months if your child is under one, and then every three months after their first birthday. And now with the Disability Support Service, Families are able to purchase a play kit without committing to a subscription. And through communicating with me, I can help you choose the specific play kit that we agree is the best for your little one. And so we're really focused on skills-based development and strengths-based development. And so I not really focus on how old your little one is. The only reason I care about their age is to make sure that their play things are safe for them. And so... Pretty much how it works is you'll reach out to me as the disability support specialist through our website, and then we'll go ahead and I can ask a few questions about your little one and figure out what skills they're developing, and then I'll give an activity play kit or activity play guide that will come with the play kit I recommend. And yeah, and there's no commitment to a subscription at all. Wow. You touched on it. We had a great conversation before we hit the record button. And everybody on the, who listens to our show regularly knows that I'm the mom of a special or a mito kid. And then my grandson, Hudson, has what's called 9P deletion syndrome, something we totally were not, that wasn't in our wheelhouse at all. So it was a big surprise to us. And he also has optic nerve hypoplasia. So we're not really sure where his vision is at. Although he can, I spy a blueberry from pretty much across the room. So I'm thinking that's not going to be our biggest obstacle. But we do use your play kits. And I have to say, and at first, it was frustrating for us because it made it very aware of what skills, how the traditional boxes came. Like, it's you know, we would read through the, the guide to say, okay, this is, you know, where we should be at and what we should be able to do. And it felt like the boxes kept coming, but the skills weren't progressing. And it made it a little painful, even though we were excited about the toys and to see what, what we were going to get to learn next, so to speak. And But it became a source of frustration. So when we found out about the ability 
to reach out to you guys and kind of explain where we're at with what our skills are and then to learn that you can help us kind of cultivate in more of a curated learning format so that learning is fun. Again, learning and toys are more purposeful and we're not collecting a whole bunch of things that just aren't useful. And I think something that we all learned during the pandemic was less is more. (laughs) And nobody, I, I don't think, wants a house full of toys that just sit there, right? So that's where where we're at and how I learned about Love Every. Our our first toy was the playmat and the arch. And that was our lifesaver for probably the first five months of his life was we took that everywhere he went from in the hospital, he'd had to have open heart surgery and a few other things. And we brought some familiar from home to the to the PICU. So he knew, oh, I've seen this toy before. And it almost gave him a sense of an ability to relax a little bit because it was something very familiar in an unfamiliar world. He loved the, we called it his zebra card. They were the black and white little cards that yeah. we would attach on the arch for him to look at. And he loved his zebra card to the point where we photocopied it so we could have extra copies in case of an emergency. Aww. <laughs> I, know, I know we're kind of dorky, but... No, I love that. But then, you know, then we just added more of the fun things to the arch, like the the... It's like a stream of ribbons that all have different textures and sounds and the sensory strands. Yeah, the sensory strands. And then then like the little wooden toys that came to hang with it that he could, you know, essentially bat at and have a reaction to like, oh, if I hit this, a bell rings or, you know, a little maraca or something. I can't even remember what all they were, but it was definitely a great, simple, so simple way to get him to engage in a world where he definitely felt overwhelmed in and with his level of care, we as his caregivers, we felt overwhelmed in. So it was kind of a nice way for us to kind of come together with somebody who we just weren't anticipating, right? Nobody's in, nobody really anticipates these these circumstances. And you just want to have the most typical situation that you think you're going to be involved in. And the arch for us definitely helped helped us through some pretty tough transitions. A lot of our kids in the mitochondrial disease world, I'm just going to segue right into this. We have kids who have, most of our kids are, in, if you have a mitochondrial disease, you have a low energy, right? It's, it's an energy depletion disorder where kids, your body's constantly trying to adjust. Am I going to give you energy to breathe or energy to run, energy to work your heart or energy for your brain to function? It's a constant internal energy adjustment. And sometimes it just goes into what we call a crash where the body, it's almost like a like your computer short circuiting and the body just doesn't know what to do. And so our kids really struggle with a lot of fine motor seems to be Gross motor, definitely, but then the fine motor as well. So what would you say to a family where, let's say they have a three-year-old, but they, they really are more like around a 12 to 18-month-old on those fine motor skills where they're really not picking up the Cheerios yet. They're still doing more of the, I call it the claw grab. I'm sure you guys have a more specific term for it. <laughs> claw grab works. So what what would you recommend? So if I just say I called you and I said, hey, this is where we're at. We're trying to... We're trying to get to picking up the Cheerios, but right now that's that's not a skill we have. What would you recommend? So I would definitely recommend just thinking about where 
the little one is at and you really summarize it well by thinking about what the skill what skills they are using what skills they are demonstrating and the best thing to think about is the emerging skill so an emerging skill is maybe oh, they picked up one cheerio last week but they haven't really done it again with that pincer graph so they they have that skill but it just hasn't really been fully integrated into their daily practice or you know daily activities. And so for this little one, I think I would recommend one of our play kits that really um, hones in on the fine motor skills. We have a lot of our play kits have specific, the puzzle tops are made specifically for certain puzzles. So we have an actual pincer puzzle. And so it's just like a small little wooden puzzle. And it's just one puzzle base and one puzzle piece. It's a very good first puzzle. And I would recommend that one. And that puzzle comes with our, I think, oh yeah, so our thinker play kit. And that's like, a, that's 11 to 12 months. Okay. Don't think about the 12 months. Let's think about the 11 months. 11 months means that anyone, any child who is over that age, then we feel comfortable with them using this play thing. So I would recommend that play kit because they also have these opposite ball. So one of the balls is really heavy and it can really benefit that raking grass. So that really wide grass, but making the ball heavy. So really strengthening those muscles and, and their fingers. So I would recommend that. And I would even like to switch out one of our small books for another puzzle that we have in the inspector play kit. And that one's actually called the first puzzle. And that one has a, um, will require a tripod grass. So a little bit easier but all of these different puzzle tops or puzzle pieces would be great for this little one to introduce them to different types of grass. I didn't even think about like kind of switching in and out from the different play sets like that and just really curating down to what we're looking at. What types of activities do you guys offer or ideas for kids with mobility issues where they're a little bit more hypotonic, they're just not quite as sturdy? So, you know, getting to do you know, just even weight varying type activities. like. So as a physical therapist, I'm focused on a lot of those big movements, right? The core strengthening, leg strengthening, bearing weight through their arms, those really, really big movements. But how that ties into occupational therapy and those tiny movements are actually, so a lot of times you're mentioning little ones with any sort of mitochondrial disease may have, you know, lower muscle tone. And so sometimes Picture using, if you have 100% of energy in your battery and you're using 80% of it to keep yourself upright in a sitting position, it's going to be really hard to focus in and use that 20% of energy to pick up a small Cheerio with a specific grasp, right? So sometimes I like to think about percentages. These are all made up numbers, but I like, to, it just helps visualize and conceptualize this idea. And so a lot of times if we are focusing on fine motor skills, so those little tiny movements of our hands and fingers, I like to put little ones in a more comfortable position to begin with, right? So reduce that energy demand from the trunk and the body just to stay upright. So maybe they'll be sitting, but they can be leaning back on a cushion. Maybe that'll bring down the energy level or the energy demand to 50%, and then they can use the other amounts of their energy and their focus to really focus on that fine motor. So sometimes we have to take a step back and see what environments and what positions are we even putting these little ones in. You know, we want to set them up for success. So that would be the first thing. So if you tried picking up Cheerios 
in an unsupported sitting position. And the little one is, you know, trying their best, trying to pick up that Cheerio with a pincer grasp, but still going into raking. I wouldn't give up. I would put that little one and see what position they're in. Are they working really hard to just keep their head upright? You know, maybe they are. So then maybe you can lean them back a little bit, provide them a little bit of support, put a little towel around their belly, give them just a little more sense of comfort, and then they can go ahead and try it. So I always love to take a step back and look at the environment of what we're, how we're setting up little ones for success. And then that goes to, you know, weight bearing through the arms, like you were mentioning. So there's so many different ways you can weight bear through the arms. Sometimes we think about just straight tummy time, right? You're on your belly, you're pushing up like a little cobra pose. But actually that is really, really hard. So I like to start weight bearing just on my chest. So I like to just sit the little one down. In, I like to have my legs crossed, sit the little one down in my legs and just have them push through my arm. Just doing that pushing and really it, what it is, is just warming up their arms and getting that motor coordination down. And again, it's the environment we're putting the little one in. Starting off at a straight horizontal position is really, really challenging. Starting off upright is a lot easier. So I like to actually start upright and then slowly, slowly, slowly move down. Sometimes people will start just slow, like pull down. That's really hard. That's asking you to run a marathon without ever even warming up. So I always like to think about what the goal is. Our goal is to fully weight bear through the arms. And then how are we going to get there? So we don't have to start right at the goal. There are a lot of things that we can do before. Maybe it is just getting the little one to open their palms. And so maybe you can get them to open their palms and, you know, and touch our, we have a bunch of sensory books that make all these fun noises. And um, so maybe you can just start with that, getting those palms open. It's going to be a lot easier to push through open palms than fisted palms. So I know that was like a long roundabout answer, but I like to always take a step back and think about how we're, how we're starting, where our goal is, and also what the environment is. And maybe you mentioned sometimes, let's say your little one has a vision impairment, right? Maybe the puzzle piece isn't contrasting enough. Maybe you get a puzzle that's black and white. Sometimes I love our pincer puzzle because the actual um, knob where it's meant to be picked up from is a different color. And I think that's so great because it just gives that visual, added visual input, like, okay, this is where we're going to pick up. Um, and sometimes some of our puzzles aren't like this. Like we have, this isn't a puzzle, but from our Explorer play kit, we have the, um, the egg and the egg cup. I think it's our Montessori egg. And sometimes that is kind of hard for a little ones to figure out what direction to put it in. And if it is too frustrating, don't give up. I love to just put a little piece of tape or a sticker on the bottom of where the egg should go down and that and a matching sticker on the actual cup. So, you know, just giving more visual cues, right? Yes. Obviously, you have to be aware like, little ones will eat stickers in a second. So you have to be super careful. And then once they get that down, then you can take the sticker off and they already know where they're going to put it. So those are the types of activities that will come with your play guide, right? So you will purchase a play kit, like maybe Hudson had this play kit and there were some play things that he wasn't able to use, but maybe he wasn't able to use it in the typical way that, you know, that our play guide had written it out. But maybe if we had made some adjustments or modifications, then he would have actually been able to use more play things in his kit than you might've expected. Right. So yeah, those are just some ideas that 
come to my come to head um, just right away. Wow. I love all those suggestions. And I liked that you realized that the energy levels, it, it is hard starting on your stomach for a lot of things. And I know for whatever reason, you know, that's always, I hear so many parents talk about how when they're queuing in at first, you know, because most of our kids aren't diagnosed at birth. It comes after missed milestones and everybody's go-to catchphrase right now is, well, maybe they just need more tummy time. <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, no, that's not it. You know, and all the parents know in their gut that, no, that's not the right answer. And because we, we can tell that that's already such an energy, uh, I call it an energy suck. Yeah, energy suck. I like that term. So what kind of things would you recommend for kids? Um, and I know it's a kind of a big term for little people, but helping to develop like executive functioning skills, understanding, you know, object permanence and those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my absolute favorite play kits for that and for understanding object permanence is our inspector play kit because we have the ball drop box and it is so exciting. So it comes with these wooden balls, right? And you drop the ball inside the box, but then the actual bottom of the of the box is at a little bit of an angle so it'll roll out to the other side and the best part is is you know the wooden ball is pretty heavy um and it makes a a loud you know plop and sometimes it can startle little ones but i love this play thing because then you get the auditory feedback you hear the drop you hear it rolling you hear it stop at the end and then your little ones may be looking for it like oh i dropped it here where is it so i love this box specifically for object permanence and this play kit also comes with felt balls so I don't know if you remember the felt balls but they're a little bit bigger which may make it harder to hold but they are actually a lot lighter and they were specifically made so they can actually just sit on top of the the opening of the box so I love starting with this so you just put the ball on the box and then your little one could just push it down so they don't have to you know, do all of the things ahead of time of like holding the ball, bringing all the way to the, to the actual hole to drop it down. So that's one of my favorite just tips to start using this play thing is maybe not start with the wooden balls and start with the felt balls instead. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. So I I love doing that. And I also love just like any book that I read with little ones. I love to cover it with our bright and light play scarf. It's meant for pick a peekaboo or really anything you want it to be. But anything a little one is interested in, I like them to see it. And then they want it super bad. And I just put the scarf over whatever that plaything is. They're like, hey. And then they pull it out. And that's just like, I see so many little, like, I see the gears processing. Like, huh, I want that book. But now it's covered. Let me pull this out. Those are some of my favorite little ideas to work with object permanence and executive functioning you know we want each and each person in a family to feel empowered the parents definitely through parent education but also little ones to express if they don't want something and I always like to bring up to families I have a little one right now and he has always been a super super happy little one and all of a sudden he's getting a lot of opinions and I was talking to his mom and she was like what's happening to my son? He used to be just wanting to do anything. And, and, you know, now he's refusing a lot of things. And and I was like, okay, I understand that obviously makes things a lot more difficult when you've developed this routine over a year. 
but how incredible is it that your son has an opinion? That, that tells us a lot. We don't want children to not have opinions and to just go along with everything that we say. We want children to develop their own opinions. Obviously, they're going to conflict sometimes because you can't wash your hands for three hours, right? <laughs> but if you think about it in a way of, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that my child has developed an opinion about something and is also expressing it. It's pretty incredible when children begin to form that opinion and share it. And I think that is a milestone that isn't in the checklist, right? That milestone is nowhere in those CDC checklists, but that is a really great milestone to say, oh yeah, he's, he's, he's becoming his own little person right here. And, and that's pretty cool to see. Exactly. I say that's a, a very good language skill. He's putting together the actions and the words and that that's what language is, is when you can start making those inferences to and to be able to be expressive back on, you know, either saying more or all done, you know, and even though you're like, no, you're not all done. There's still, you know, five more puzzle pieces. And yeah. he's like, I'm done, you know, respect that, that that's. And learning to compromise. Can you do one more? You know, okay, you can be done one more. I just love that you guys have made playing with your child. Sometimes as a grown up, the last thing you want to do is get down on the floor and play. But we know that's how kids learn best is to play and to be successful at it. It's You've made it so that you can do it in small chunks and be so much more purposeful and more focused and in it's in a world where we have so many things that can grab our attention I love that you guys have been able to just just funnel it in like this is what we're going to do we're going to put these balls into this tube we're going to listen watch and find out where they go and we're going to do this for five more minutes and then we'll we'll call it good and it doesn't have to be this huge long drawn out five hour thing you know it's just right there yeah and you know you make a, a good point with purposeful play and I think that is we're you know with these custom play guides we don't want it to feel like another home exercise program you know another activity program that you must do these are just suggestions on how you can encourage your little one to play, right? Setting them up for success. And, and that way you are more purposeful. And each plaything is really designed for specific skills, which is incredible because if your little one is working on a certain skill, it makes it easier to choose certain playthings. Like if your little one's working on the pincer grasp, surprise, surprise, you can use the pincer puzzle. <laughs> so it definitely takes out some of that confusion when you know, there's a lot of mental energy going towards even just getting by day to day, right? For any family who has a child who requires, you know, medical attention or, you know, therapy visits, that's a, there's a, a lot of mental energy and, you know, the, the intent of this program and Love Every from the beginning was to you know, take that, that guesswork out and allow us to kind of present the tools and then let your little one explore the tools. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that on your end, you feel that and, and you feel that our playthings are purposeful. And that just makes me really happy to hear. When we were having our conversation, we were talking about the circle of, I, I call it the circle of friends puzzle. Is that the right name for it? The puzzle with all the circles and all the little faces are underneath. We call it Circle of Let me see. We found it at Target, which I was so excited to find out that we could get 
some of your toys at Target. I was like, yeah. what? This is amazing. So we found the circle of friends at Target and we adapted it to our own family people underneath. And then it was find, find daddy, pick up the puzzle piece to find daddy and so forth. But then you had another great suggestion on how to use that, like for using it for routines. Do you want to go ahead and tell our listeners about that? Yeah, definitely. So each is a circle of friends puzzle. So you got that right. Each puzzle base has a different photo of a child. And so essentially one, there's two different ways that you can use it outside of the typical puzzle use. One of them I really like putting the routine or activity on the puzzle base. So you can say, you know, brushing teeth, putting pajamas on, getting into bed, and then sleep. And so a photo of each. And I really love including photos of, of children doing this. That's children learn a lot better with when seeing a photo of a real child instead of, you know, a cartoon or a stick figure or something. And so I love to then say, okay, so, you know, we brushed our teeth, let's put the puzzle piece on. So you finish that activity, you put the puzzle piece on, you cover the brushing teeth photo. Okay, pajamas next. So your little one will see the photo of maybe them putting on the pajamas. I love using, you know, you can take photos of Hudson doing the activity. And it's a great um, idea. Yeah, just really, really customize it to him. And so then you can say, okay, pajamas are on, and then he can go ahead and put the puzzle piece on the base covering the photo of putting pajamas on, or he could do it himself. And so that is one way I really like to use it for establishing a routine. It could be for a specific routine that may be more challenging for your little one, and maybe they would benefit from a little bit more structure. Another way I like to use it is putting photos similar to what you did, but using that as a bedtime routine. So maybe husband doesn't get to see a certain family member that often, but he knows who they are and they get to FaceTime all the time. So you can put that fa their pictures of family members on the puzzle base. And then you could say, okay, like, good night, Nana. And then he can put the puzzle piece on it and say good night, you know, and wave and say good night to each family member. It could be their doggy. And I love using that for a bedtime routine as well. There's just so many different ways to use it. Like you mentioned, you've already figured out a really great, um, great use of it beyond you know, the photos of the children in the actual puzzle base. I love that idea of using it for like a actual, um, I don't want to call it an activity, but like a when, when you have to have a routine, mm -hmm. just so that it, it's sort of like that countdown, like these are all the parts of that routine. So we know, did, did we get it all together? Whether it's, you know, getting ready for school, bags packed, shoes on, teeth brushed, you know, or just simple stuff, getting ready for bed, jammies on, where's your blanket? Is it, did we do story time? Yeah, like a visual schedule. Mm -hmm. We all benefit from a good visual schedule. Yeah, and that predictability. I think, I read somewhere that kids just do so much better if there's in a predictable pattern of experiences. So I think I, and I guess as a grown up, I like that too. I hate having random things thrown at me. <laughs> exactly. And especially, you know, the zero to three before children have, you know, sometimes when they get to school, if they've never had a schedule before, it can be a big deal. It can be a huge transition. So, you know, developing schedules even or, or specific routines or just understanding how to follow a multi-step you know, activity, all of those things are really setting up little ones for success and just kind of preparing them for the activity. You know, if they don't like brushing their teeth, 
they'll see in two circles, they're going to brush their teeth. Okay. We can mentally prepare. We know what's coming. Mm -hmm. Um, So for a lot of parents who don't have a child in the special needs arena, they don't realize just how much other cueing happens in our world to help us make the adjustments and to manage through and those visual cues for us anyways have always that that was a big surprise to me on how how important that was for everybody yeah every child can really benefit from a visual schedule like this I like that I just love how you guys are showing up in this space it's been something that's just been needed and as a mom of a 23 year old who would have used this service Two decades ago, boy, you would have saved me a lot of heartache and a lot of a lot of dollars, a lot of heartache, and just um, I would have felt more supported as I was trying to figure out, you know, how do how do I teach object permanence? Because in my child development classes in 1982, that wasn't I don't even think they put those words together. <laughs> so, um, you know, that would have just been so nice to have. Another person in, I always say, you know, find as many people have in your circle and make sure a few of them can be in your corner. And it would have been great to have Love Every in my corner. That's for sure. Because there are times, there's so many times as a parent in this world of rare disease where you're just, you're just spinning and you're just, you feel like you're just making it up as you go along. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's hard when you're making it up as you're going and then making decisions as well as, as you're going that you're not 100% sure about and you just need that sounding board and that person. So I'm, you know, I, I wish I was there when when your your little one was little, but I'm happy that, you know, we got to connect and we can um, spread the awareness about um, how this support can, you know, be there for for all families. Well, this is great. And so our families can just go out to loveevery.com. And just kind of scroll to the bottom of the page and it's the disability service, right? They just click in there and then there's just like a short, a very little form. It's basically name, age, give us a description or tell us where you're at. And then from there, you guys connect back out to the families. Is that how it works? Exactly. And so, you know, the maximum amount of time it'll take us two weeks. It's usually a lot, lot less, but we you know, we'll get your information and the email and then I'll, it'll be me personally reaching out to, to you or the family. And then we can discuss and figure out which plaything or play kit is right for um, your child. And so it's really a, a one-on-one experience and it's really fun. And I, and I absolutely love all of the the photos that families send me when they receive their play kit, like, oh, you know, so-and-so is obsessed with this play thing. Thank you for recommending, you know, um, switching this one out for um, for another toy. So, yeah, so you just reach out and it, the email is support.specialist at loveevery.com as well. It'll get sent to my email directly through the uh, form that you mentioned. And then you can see our council as well. So we have a disability expert council and um, these individuals, they all have so much experience in, you know, working with children with disabilities, neurodivergence and learning exceptionalities, and also, you know, having a disability, having neurodivergence themselves, or, you know, raising a child that is also neurodivergent or has a disability. And so our expert council is just, you know, has provided so much guidance to me as well, because obviously I'm a physical therapist, so I know a lot of motor. And so I'm not in the position to come up with 
speech activities. Our, that's what our speech therapist is for on our expert council. And so, you know, we made sure that we had support on every end of, you know, child development that we could, that we could think of. So many things in the rare disease world sound negative, right? You know, and you have disability and, but you guys love every makes a point to say exceptional, exceptional, exceptional abilities. And, and we're not doing things wrong. We're just doing it different. Exactly. And I think that's a big distinction. I love that. So thank you. Thanks for putting so much thought into it. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, Jessica, our CEO, as well as has her brother has um, intellectual disability, Angelman syndrome. And so, you know, it's really this service is coming from the heart. And we just want to make sure that we truly are here for families. And this isn't, you know, something that was considered and just kind of started on a whim. Like you, you could tell there's a lot of thought going into it. And I'm happy that, you know, on your end, you can see that because that's truly our purpose is to just, you know, help families just feel seen because, you know, we, we see you, we hear you, we hear the frustration that, you know, if your if your child is five years old and you want to sign up for the, you want to purchase the helper play kit for two-year-olds, that is okay. Like we, there's, there's nothing, you know, negative or wrong about that. It is, you know, the ages are there, as you mentioned, to categorize to for safety, as I mentioned. But I, I want to encourage any family, if they're even considering, you know, I've had many, many emails, like, is my child too old for this? No, absolutely not. The I'm working with an individual right now who's a caretaker for someone who's 30 years old and um, has an intellectual disability right now, and we're working on creating a play kit for them. And so really, uh, there's, I keep saying little one, and, but the reality is, is, you know, we're here for anyone, and even families who, um, a parent or a caregiver themselves has a disability, um, you know, we are, we're here to support these individuals as well, and so it's, it's not just for, you know, children who have a learning exceptionality, and maybe if, you know, child is, you know, hitting milestones, however you, um, the parent is, has, uh, a visual impairment or is blind, you know, how can we better support those families? There's so many different ways that we can support. So I just always encourage anyone, if you're thinking about it, you just want to reach out to me. I love to talk, please email me. Um, and there's no commitment to purchasing just because you, you know, we go back and forth. You don't need to buy anything. You just talk and you can see what the options are and, and just, you know, that way, you know, and that way it's um, a little bit more it's clear what, what we can provide. Okay. Well, thank you so much again for all your time today. I'm sure our listeners are going to be reaching out and we'll have lots of questions. And I hope our partnership with Mito Action and Love Every continues to grow because I just see this as such a win for everybody. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that, you know, you reached out and that we could have this conversation. And I, I really appreciate all the kind words that you said about how, you know, Love Every has supported Hudson. And I you know, would love to create a custom play guide for him too, if you'd like. And you'll see me popping up, I'm sure. <laughs> Perfect. I, you know, I'm here to be in, in your corner and just be that point person. Um, and so it's, I'm excited to um, hear from some of your listeners and thanks everyone for taking the time to listen to me go on and on about routines. <laughs>
It's, it's fun to have somebody passionate. So thank you again. Yeah, of course. I'm looking forward to to hearing what everyone thinks about the service and, you know, how it's taken and, you know, how we can improve it because this is the beginning. So feedback is great and we encourage any and all feedback. So if you're listening and, you know, you went through the service and you think that it could be better in a certain way, I would absolutely love to hear how we can improve. This is the beginning and we're going to continue to grow and get better. Great. Thank you for your commitment to our circle. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode of Energy in Action. I enjoyed my conversation with Morale so much and learning about Love Every Toy Company. I hope you go out to their link and read more about their disability services that they offer and connect in with Morale and see how she can help you and your family find some new and different ways to build some skills and have fun while doing it. Be sure to join us next week for all things Mito. This is your host, Stephanie, Rare Mom Extraordinaire.